So welcome to a very, very special episode of Slasher Scotty, because I'm not Slasher Scotty. I'm Jeffrey Mark, and I'm going to be interviewing Slasher Scotty. You all ready for this? Yes, I am. Let's uh, do this reverse interview. Okay. So my first question is, what's your favorite sexual position and how large is your penis? (laughs) Oh, I'm sorry. He's not the porn star. (laughs) What was it? Oh, he's a talk show host. (sighs) How could I make that mistake? (laughs) So please tell me. How old were you when you started talking and how large is your penis? <laughs> it is exactly precisely two inches too big. Good answer. <laughs> of course, too big for whom could lead us down to a whole different conversation. Exactly. <laughs> All right. So, so, so let me take my first or second question a little more seriously. What what is it about broadcasting that made you think you were going to spend your life interviewing people? Honestly, two no, words. No, lie to name. me. <laughs> two words, one name. Uh, Greg Gilbert. Uh, he gave me the chance when I had my first book written um, it, and published. It was the ultimate Friday the 13th trivia book. And uh, Greg Gilbert uh, messaged me randomly. And like I said, at the time, I was a nobody. So he messaged me and uh, he said to me, he goes, hey, I'm Greg Gilbert with Python's Paradise. And I'm wondering, do you want to do an interview to talk about your book? And I'm like, I don't know how he found out about me. He was on my Facebook. I don't, I don't remember adding him because you know, I was just I had really anybody. And uh he ended up adding me and messaging me about doing the interview. And I'm like, sure, why not? I have no, I, I mean, you know, I'm excited to do it. And at first, when he messaged me, I was I just got done work and I'm driving home and it's about an hour drive home. And uh I'm like, oh crap, I need to hurry up and get home. I need to respond to him before he's like, I don't want to do it anymore. Let me turn the stupid Apple Watch off. There we go. Um, yeah. So uh, yeah, it, it just happened like that. And um, and Greg, you know, he, he became a good friend of mine. And I've had him on my show about three times. I've done his show since then about six or seven times. Yeah, I've been on that show a lot myself. Yeah. So <laughs> and Greg has just been a good friend of mine. We talk almost daily. I know he's uh, heading to Toronto today for Horrorama, which is exciting. Um, and uh, and you know what like six books later you know obviously six books later six years later as well and i got this one out that came out in august so really excited well congratulations thank you the ultimate halloween movie experience michael myers the man the monster the madness which is exciting yeah, i i uh worked on a documentary about the locations the real locations where all those scary movies were made. So I have a little, a little bit of skin in your game, but, but you're the man about this. Not, not I. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, well, let's take a half a step back then. Okay. Uh, I'll, I'll give you a moment to enjoy the fabulousness of me. Absolutely. And then, well, just for you, just for you, I wouldn't do this for everybody. <laughs> He's not paying me for this. <laughs> What what made you decide to write books? Books are not easy things to write. They're even harder to get published. How did you figure that out for yourself? Yeah, I mean, getting one book published is hard enough, let alone six. And the sixth one is actually by a major publishing company. So, but that was six years in the making to begin with. But uh, going back to high school, um, I always credit my English teacher, Joanne Hopple, and she always hates me. Every time she hears me in interviews mentioning her, she's like, Scotty, you wrote the book. You got to publish. Stop mentioning me. I'm like, well, you, if it wasn't for you teaching grammar, the only English teacher that probably taught grammar and didn't like make us read and read and read and actually taught us the fundamentals of English, I wouldn't have developed the tools to be published. So uh, that's mainly where I started um, was, you know, was just uh starting there and uh then i did a little research and at the time it was a self-publishing uh site owned by amazon called create space and they end up changing their name and everything to uh kindle direct publishing um which was all uh, self-publishing and not many become new york times bestsellers off of that um my 
third book uh, became a New York Times bestseller uh, from that, which was a book on my dad and his battle with brain cancer. Um, and that one became a New York Times bestseller. And that one was a, uh, a that's very rare for self-publishers to get that. Um, and then, you know, I my first book published 2016. And uh, back in 2021, late 2021, um, my uh I, I got a random email from uh a talent agency that wanted to represent me um because they saw me do movies they saw me do slasher scotty and i didn't plan this but i had a slasher scotty news on my channel and i one of the uh, films that was coming out that i covered was a movie that he was a publisher on and he must have came across it and that's how why he reached out to me to represent me and he ended up uh, representing me and uh he introduced me to eric lincoln miller out of three ibooks and he uh and he wanted him to represent me for literary you know literacy because i uh, I'm a publisher and a published author as well. And this all fell right into my lap. And I don't know how, like, I, I did so much research on both of them to make sure that, you know, they were legitimate. Okay. That's a wonderful long answer. It doesn't yes. answer my question, but it's a wonderful long answer. Yes. The first book. Mm-hmm. What, what, I mean, I've been asked this question a million times. I'm asking it to you. So one day you're just, it's 2014 or 15 or 16 Mm -hmm. and you're in your car or you're in your easy chair or you're on the toilet or you're in the shower. Mm -hmm. And somehow this idea, Ooh, I can write a book. Okay. Tell me about that. How, how did you come to believe that you could write the first one? Once you write the first one, it gets easier, but how did you get there? Because I've been a fan of teaching. I've been a fan of horror movies, so I figured, why not make a trivia book into one book? And when I was in high school, I would literally write horror trivia and just in notebooks, notebooks, notebooks throughout the years. And uh, I figured, why not try to get something like this published? Like That's all there was to it. I love horror, I love teaching, and I love trivia. You never doubted your ability to actually write the book? No, not really. I mean, I've written plenty of trivia things that never got published, but it's just like, why don't I try to make some extra cash off this? And if I don't make money off of it, so be it. But when were you given, were you given much negative feedback by people in your life? Mm -hmm. Because I know when I announced to people in my life, I was writing my first book. This is 30 years ago. They laughed at me. No, now 30 years ago, I'd already been in show business 20 years. Mm-hmm. But who do you think you are? You're never going to finish a book. You're wasting your money buying a computer, is what I was told. Mm-hmm. You're never going to finish the book. And if you finish the book, you're never going to get an agent and you're never going to get it published and you're never going to get this and you're never going to get it that. And look what happened to me with the books. Mm-hmm. Did you get that same kind of negativity from people? Yeah, I, I was told not just by a coat like, you know, classmates, but I was told by teachers that I have ADHD, I have Tourette syndrome, I have bipolar, I have OCD. So I'm not going to make it into the world. I'm not going to be able to go to college and get a degree and get a job that I can support me and my family. I would be working flipping burgers for the rest of my life because I won't be able to make anything of who I am. And then when I said, well, I'm also, uh, well, if I can't do that, then I'll just be an actor or I'll be a writer. And they're like, you think you're going to get that far? It's like, well, you know, I now have them people asking me for my autograph. Right. (laughs) And I tag every single one of them in my, in my accolades, every single time I post something, they're the first to be tagged and say, I told you so. I know for, for me, I had to just decide it was a decision someone needs to write this book in this case it was my first ella fitzgerald book it might as well be me people do get published it might as well be me and once i decided it might as well be me what everybody else thought no longer mattered Mm -hmm. and we do get that uh nose twitchy kind of yeah 
Look what I did. Mm -hmm. So look what you did. Hooray for you. Yeah. You mentioned supporting your family. We have never discussed your personal life. Right. Uh, tell me about your family. So my dad passed away in, uh, last August in 2021. He was battling brain cancer for five years. Um, he was told he had a year and a half to live and he made a five. Um, and uh, before that, he actually had a stroke after brain surgery and they were told he would only make it 24 hours. And five years later, he beat all the odds. Um, my mom, she lives in Pennsylvania, about three hours away. Um, this, I, I, I talk about this every now and again on my podcast. I really keep him out of it because between, uh, like he's very private. Um, but I am, I do have a boyfriend and, uh, he, uh, you know, he lives pretty much with me. Uh, he does live with me. Um, and, uh, I mean, he, right. And that's one of my errands. I, like I was telling you, I have to run. I have to take him. I have to pick him up. He's a college student. I'm robbing the cradle. I guess you could say, cause I'm 33 and he's 25. <laughs> there's not that much difference yeah not that much difference but uh yeah so uh we've been together for we just celebrated four years last month august congratulations thank you yeah you just um, mentioned you just mentioned a whole lot of ocd and things yeah how does he deal with those things in you it, it it's tough but he has i don't want to go into what he has but he has something to um we can talk about that off camera or whatever but uh he, he does have a disability as well, and uh, we mesh each other out. But one thing that is hard for anybody, because I've been cheated on, I've been uh, hurt and abused physically and emotionally by past relationships. And this is the best relationship by far I've been involved, I've been in. And uh, I mean, I've been in this relationship, you know, I went, I, we literally knew each other for three hours and we met on a trashy dating app, Boy Ahoy. And uh, we ended up, we ended up, uh, you know, saying, well, we only known each other for three hours and talking for three hours. Why don't we, we never even met in person. Let's make it happen. Let's just, what do we have to lose? And we're like, sure. Four years later, here we are. Isn't um, that amazing what happens when your penis is two inches too large? Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. It, it just, it, it just happened. And uh, with me having, you know, I think the biggest thing for us, cause he doesn't really even notice my Tourette's. Like if you see me rolling my eyes, I'm just not at anybody. If you see me like that, you know, like that's part of my Tourette's he, this not really noticeable. Um, but with my ADHD, I, if I don't take my medicine in the morning, it's like a whole different Scotty. Like my focus is completely off. My concentration is off. I'm jumping all over the place. I'm off the wall. So my medicine really calms me down um and and gets my adhd under control for the day and uh usually at nighttime it wears off so we're when we're in bed at night like i'm literally like annoying the piss out of him and he's like will you stop poking me or will you stop doing this? like i just do it i think it's funny and sometimes he does too but sometimes i you know my adhd won't let me stop and that's the thing that real that is probably the biggest force between us um that he has to kind of either you know he's, he's with me for four years so obviously it's not too bad <laughs> well you know you're very intelligent mm -hmm. you're a sweetheart Thanks. you're cute as hell <laughs> and you're fun to talk with so i would imagine yeah. he sees those things in you we have a lot of uh good conversations like a lot of intelligent conversations like we never like probably two years into the relationship we started talking about our our religious and political and all that stuff beliefs and we didn't realize that without talking about that we have a lot of the same political and religious uh you know understandings and uh things stuff i won't get into on here obviously because it's public but uh just saying like me and him really have a lot of similar political and religious you know uh, you know uh similarities and i will talk of me for a moment until you join I have a lot of friends who nope, I think uh, like, like, oh, like yeah. cerebral. Okay. Hang on. You've been frozen on my end. Okay. We're back. And here we are back. So what <laughs> I was saying while we were frozen, I'm sure you're going to edit this all together. Yes, I will. Okay. But, uh, but you know what, don't edit too much out. Let, let our friends yeah. know how this works. Absolutely. So I was saying that I have a lot of friends with disabilities. Mm -hmm. it, it's just how my life has gone 
first of all, as we've discussed on camera before, I'm a recovering alcoholic or drug addict. Mm -hmm. And if you're one of those things or both of those things already, you have a mental illness. Mm -hmm. So there, there is that disability. Yeah. I have friends who are OCD. I have friends who are gamblers. I have friends who are hoarders. I have friends mm -hmm. who are sex addicts. I have friends with cerebral palsy. Uh, I have friends with, with Parkinson's disease and I, I love them all. I personally don't find dealing with people's disabilities all that difficult. Yeah. To me, it's like, all right, um, Scotty's got dark hair and a beard and a huge penis. And, <laughs> um, you know, I'm not going to let go of that. Right. And, I absolutely understand. Okay. <laughs> and, you know, that he's got OCD or Tourette's or whatever it is you deal with on a daily basis. Well, he's seeing doctors, he's taking medication. Uh, I, I don't find it. See, to me, everybody has a disability. Mm -hmm. Everybody's got something they're dealing with. Some are much larger, like brain cancer is much larger. Yeah. But we've all got something. And I, I don't understand when people judge or don't want to be around people like that mm -hmm. uh, because where are you going to go and not find people like that? Yeah. You all got stuff Yeah, and you don't hide yours, which is good. Yeah. And by the way, when I did like, when I, when I, that's my, I wasn't making fun of you. That's my, okay. I do that. Yeah. yeah. Um, it, it comes from watching too much bewitched and, and, <laughs> and uh, no, I seriously, I learned how to twitch my nose as a kid and, the nice. kids loved it so much that now when I'm like being creative, ooh, ooh, mm -hmm. I, I, I do that like, ooh, I've got a, a plan, yay. <laughs> what, as an interviewer, uh, you can mention a name if you'd like or not, depending, because I know you're a gentleman, but if you want to mention a name, that would be kind of fun. Who, what, what was an interview situation where the person was either hostile to you or a dullard. There are celebrities out there, happily, you and I are not two of them, mm -hmm. who when they're asked a question, they give one word answers and stare at you, uh, either because they're afraid of being questioned uh, or they don't, they've never been taught how to interact like this. Mm -hmm. Have you had one interview where you were just like cringing, this is so bad? Let me think about that. That's a tough one. Um, I do know, like, there were, I did ask a lot of hard questions to Dig Fairch, uh, who played uh, in Rob Zombie's Halloween, and he wouldn't answer the questions. That was a tough one. And that was, I don't pay for interviews, but that was one of the few that I paid for. And I got... You paid other people and you didn't I paid for me. <laughs> for, oh, for, okay. big, for big name actors that I that I won't get. And the only reason why I really did pay for him is because he was for the book. <laughs> so uh, for big he, name actors, not like me, but big yeah. name. You're just yeah. digging yourself in deeper and deeper <laughs> and deeper here. That one, when I come to Maryland to perform next year, you'd better have a large penis because. <laughs> That sounds good. There but is yeah, payment. Uh, there is payment to be made here for this now. Right. My literary agent wanted uh, somebody from one of the Rob Zombies Halloweens, and I already had D. Wallace, um, but he wanted um, like either like a Tyler Maine or a like Dig Fairch. And I was I followed Dig on Instagram, so I reached out to him to see if he do it. He doesn't do interviews for free. And I reached out to my literary agent, like, well, we really need Dig Fairch. And we wanted him for the book. He was like a selling point. And the reason why he wouldn't do a free interview is because it was going to be going in and published work of art. Um, so I had to uh and he doesn't really do free interviews to begin with, let alone for you know for a book that's going to ha have his words published. So I paid him and it wasn't too much, but I paid him to do the interview. And he was one of the, I think the only one I've ever paid for. Um, yeah. I don't pay for interviews. Uh, I don't pay for interviews yeah. for books. I don't pay for interviews like what we're doing when I've hosted yeah. shows like this. Yeah. But the only time I kind of sort of demand to be paid mm -hmm. is when someone asks me to show up someplace and perform. Yeah. Uh, whether there's whether like I'll be doing in November uh, a Q&A in a theater with mm -hmm. my friend George Chiquitis yeah. out here in the desert where I live in Palm Springs. Mm -hmm. 
I want to get paid for that. They're making money. They're selling tickets. I'd like, there's a word we use, an honorarium. It isn't a huge payment. It just means you understand that my time is worth something. And you're going to give me a little bit of something to show me that you appreciate my time. Exactly. Exactly. But for this, no, I've, I've never, I've been doing interviews now for, well, 30 years. Yeah. And uh, I've, I've had, I'm on my fourth or fifth radio show. And um, yeah, it, it's, it's, people don't understand how difficult what we do really is. It really is difficult. <laughs> I mean, you know, I don't wake up, I don't wake up in the morning looking like this. First of all, <laughs> I, I have to become incredibly handsome. It takes a little time. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, I don't wave my penis on television, so I have to look from the waist up incredibly good. Right. But also we have to prepare. Yeah. And I probably spend the day before the interview and the morning of the interview, depending how busy work is, um, because sometimes I'll take my lunch early to uh, prepare a little bit. And then I do about an hour or two before the interview to prepare. And uh, I, you know, Google their name, IMDb, you know, look up the movies. If I have time, I watch the movies. If I haven't seen them, like, you know, things like that. And it takes a lot of time. Then I got to end up, you know, putting, you know, getting the questions. What do I want to ask them? What's important? What's not important? What's going to keep the audience's attention? And then I have to host the interview. And of course, then I get times when the freaking thing fall, you know, freezes on me because i love this room because this is my office room but i don't get sometimes the internet goes out here um why so, don't you use me as an example when you were interviewing me was it a couple yeah. of months ago now yeah um what was your process with me now i'm not in the i'm not really in your realm i'm not in the science fiction halloween horror movie genre of show business but originally you were because remember i had that uh spe- that special effects guy on the poster so if you hadn't found that, you wouldn't have asked me to be on your show. No, I I, I, knew, I was going to ask you because I saw you uh, um, do an I'm interview with Greg. with Greg. And Greg, I asked Greg, I'm like, is Jeffrey a good guy? I just had the wrong Jeffrey Mark. I didn't even know. Yeah, I didn't story know of my life. about you at the time. I didn't know anything about you. I just looked you up. I'm like, why did not, why did not, did, didn't Greg mention that he's a, a big wig special effects Hollywood artist? Because <laughs> like, I'm Greg not. usually mentions. And then you're like, no, that's not me. That's not me. I'm a jazz singer, you know, an author and all that. And I'm like, oh, okay. I no, mean, that's not a- that's I'm, 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 I'm famous for this, among other things. Right. Lucille Ball. No, no. Look what I'm pointing at. Oh. It's, it's my Emmy Award. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I, I just seen it there. Yep. You know, Emmy winner, yeah. Grammy nominee usually paves the way for whatever it is going on. Right. Um. And yet you had, see now, this is interesting to me. You, you've, you've mentioned Tourette's and, and these OCD. And yet when you had me on, we had a wonderful time together. We did. Even we did. though I didn't fit into your niche mm-hmm. or niche, depending what part of the country you live in. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had a great time together. Which we is did. why I'm, I wouldn't have agreed to this. Because right. um, I'm once again, not getting paid. I wouldn't have agreed to do this with you, but I have a good time with you and yeah. you're cute as hell. So why not? Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah. And I, like when I first started doing my podcast, it was all about hard. Like I wanted to interview people I grew up watching, but the more I spoke to Greg about it and the more I spoke to my boyfriend about it, it was like, okay, well, yeah, I can interview these horror celebrities, but why not interview other people, actors, musicians, authors, yeah, act, you know, actors outside of horror, you know, artists, like all these different people. Why not interview them? And then you can, you know, you can broaden your, your, uh, you know, your, your platform. And Greg agreed on that. He's like, don't turn down people because they're not in movies you haven't watched that you open yourself up to a uh, to a wider audience and to a wider demographic and you'll see you might find movies that you might not have watched but that you can enjoy now that you've met the actors involved yeah with it. i've been i'm very lucky uh as as you know as my fans know i know a lot of people in show business mm-hmm. uh, a lot of people like 
Coolio passed away yesterday. Yeah. And people were amazed that I knew him. It's like, well, you're not a hip hop rap kind of guy. I said, no. But the year I was nominated for a Grammy, he was a supporter of mine. He liked mm-hmm. my work. We had dinner together and he performed that night yeah. at the Grammys. That's how I know him. I've been lucky that when I, when I do online interviews, whether it's my own show or I, I guest host for other people a lot yeah. because they know I can do it quickly. Yeah. Uh, pretty much, I don't have to go beyond my own circle of friends because I'm so lucky to have so many famous people in my life. Mm-hmm. I just make a phone call. Can you, will you? And there we are. How do you, how, what, what is your process when you're not interviewing someone, you know, like the back of your hand? Okay. Uh, I, I know you've mentioned you go on, but, but I'm talking about once you have the information, how do you turn that into an interview that is fun, both for you and the interviewee, and then for all those folks who are watching this? What's your, what's your process? So it, it, there's two ways about it. There's one way is, did, do I have time to watch the movie if I haven't seen it? And is there, and if I don't have time to watch it, how do I go about it? So the first part is if I don't have time to watch the movie, I've never seen the movie that they're in, that they're really known for. How do I go about that? Well, I will, I will ask generic questions. They will talk about what the movie is and everything like that. And, and I will, I, you know, I'm intelligent, so I kind of put the pieces together and then I kind of familiarize myself based on the conversation. The second way is if I'm familiar with the movie, but it's like I don't know the actor like, you know, it's like Halloween or Friday the 13th where I watched the movie a million times. Might have seen the movie just now for the first time. I kind of write down notes about what the movie is about, mainly what their character was involved in. And then I kind of build upon that with questions. A lot of my questions start out as generic when I type them out. And then when the uh, when the interview is happening, I build upon what we talk about based on what the com- where the conversation goes. Like so you, I mean, have, so you you have notes there. Yes. About questions, I see. Okay. Yep. I always see, have, I, I don't I, think I have the papers here. I have a paper here with me, but I usually have a printout of the questions. And then I, when you saw my interview with you, I it might not have looked like I was looking at. It. I have the I have the paper right here on my. No, I, I I knew you had a question. I knew I yeah. I saw I saw. Yeah. <laughs> See, I've only done that once in my whole life. Mm-hmm. I've done one interview where I had questions in front of me and it wasn't for broadcast. Yeah. Um, it was because I won't mention them because it sounds like I'm name dropping, but a very famous person was kind enough to me to let me into his home and like really spend time asking questions. And I thought I'm never going to be here again. So let me make sure that I've got, I ask everything I want to ask. And I was in his house for over 12 hours. Wow. And it turns out we, and we became friends nice. because he said, no, keep going. I want you to be thorough. I love that you're being thorough. Mm-hmm. I love that you're, you know, you're, you're, you're handling this intelligently. Yeah. He, he, he promoted that with me. Mm-hmm. So I, I was grateful for that. I memorize everything so that I don't ever have to lose camera contact or eye contact, yeah. but that's my personal thing. Everything I look at, I memorize almost immediately so yeah. I can do that. Uh, you know, I, I just finished literally just finished last night, my memoirs. Okay. Finished writing them. And people are amazed that how do you remember being a year and a half old? I remember from nine months forward, everything I pick a day in 1963 mm-hmm. and I can tell you what I had for breakfast that day. Nice. So I carry a lot of stuff in this redhead <laughs> and um, that that's my, yeah. What, once I've gathered what I think is good information, I just let it sort of just mix in my head mm-hmm. and, and let that guide the conversation. Yeah. Nine times out of 10, the questions I have on my form, they're always asked, but Nine times out of 10, I always ask things that aren't on there and I take expand upon the conversation because conversations can go any direction that you're not expecting. And I like to build upon that. And usually my, my questions are, they do flow perfectly. And like a lot of the stuff I asked with you, yeah, I had the questions there, but I, a lot of the stuff I asked was off of what I didn't have written down already. 
because the conversation went to a days of our lives situation. I didn't plan that. I am going to ask, bring up some names of some actors. Okay. And some people in the business who, you know, because of their sci-fi connection or their slasher or their horror connection, but I know from other parts of their career. Okay. Ready? Yes. Drum roll, please. Betsy Palmer. Okay. What do you want me to do? Did I interview her, you mean? No. Do, are you a fan of her, her horror oh, films? I got like, you. You know, tell me you liked her, you didn't like her as a performer, as a, as a professional. I remember her, um, obviously, from Friday the 13th, 1980. But I also remember her in an episode of The Love Boat. And I knew her as a, a woman who did films and Broadway and was a panelist on a, on a TV show called I've Got a Secret for many, many years. So I grew up with a young Betsy Palmer mm -hmm. who is, you know, getting married and having babies and mm -hmm. singing and a whole different person. And, I, I, and a, a, a Lucy connection there is that after Miss Ball died, her right-hand person became Betsy Palmer's right-hand person oh. and ran Betsy's life until she retired. Nice. nice. John Carpenter. Halloween, the thing, the fog. No, I, I know who he is. I don't yeah. I don't need his resume. How do you do you like his movies? Do you not like his movies? Okay. What's what's your what's your take on him? I absolutely Halloween is probably my favorite movie. That touched me in so many ways, like just scare factor alone. Um I don't think I'd be a horror fan without John Carpenter, to be honest with you. No way around it. I think the most brilliant horror movie ever made was John Carpenter's The Thing. Yeah. Because I must tell you, I'm not a big horror movie fan. Mm -hmm. I know too much about the movie making process. Mm -hmm. And quite frankly, my life has been hard enough. Uh, nothing on my screen scares me more right. than what happens in my life. Mm -hmm. So I kind of laugh at horror movies. But I have to say the thing, just the acting, the special effects, the storyline, mm -hmm. the cinematography, the directing, the producer, just it's a brilliant, to me, best of genre movie. Yeah. yeah Alfred, Hitch Alfred Hitchcock. The Birds is probably one of the most terrifying movies I've seen, because, especially because when I lived in Anacope for when I went to my first college, I would have a, I, wa I just watched the birds the night before. And then the, the next day I went out of my apartment, there was a shit ton of birds on my roof. And when I got out of my apartment door, all the birds at the same time swooped down and off the, uh, and that terrified the crap out of me. I have a personal connection to the birds because both Tippi Hedren and Suzanne Plachette are, were friends of mine. Nice. And I, you know, I've watched that film now with different eyes because now I'm watching people I know personally in love mm -hmm. performing. Does that make a difference for you as you're getting to know all these people in the genre that you love the most? I, I sometimes I, I will watch a show that I loved or a movie that I loved. And as an adult, I've come to know the people either behind the scenes or in front of the camera. And it's like, oh, those are my friends up there uh mm -hmm. i can't lose myself in the bob newhart show anymore i know the entire cast yeah and was especially close to one person i can't i i'm i'm leaving my name out for a reason mm -hmm. uh gilligan's island i i, I knew the professor and marianne uh, don wells is one of my closest friends i've ever had in my life may she rest in peace do you ever find that you're getting to know folks in any way ruins your ability to appreciate the work? Not really, I would say appreciate the work, but it makes me appreciate a little more because I get to be like, I'm friends with that person. I grew up watching these people and now I'm friends with them. Like for example, Diana Barrows from Friday the 13th part seven. She became a really good friend of mine. I have her number. We talk, we don't talk as much anymore, but we talked, like she called me um, asking me for advice, knowing that I used to have Barrett's esophagus, like I, I uh, like with acid reflux and everything, um, it's not as bad anymore. 
but uh, she was getting the same thing that I had, and she was asking my opinion on on what the symptoms are, if it's what you think what it has, and you know, kind of like asking advice on that. So it's like I'm talking to somebody I grew up watching, you know, in the first horror movie I've ever seen at six years old, and at the time I was like 26 or 27, and we're talking on the phone for like three or four hours about medical issues, like real life medical issues. Yeah. So like things like that really happen. Like it's crazy. Like I literally, you know, I'm friends with Nancy Ann Ritter from Scream. I'm friends with Debbie Sue Voorhees from Friday Five. Like, you know, like these people are commenting on my post, like Ron Sloan from Friday Five. He literally wishes me happy birthday every year in the voice of Junior. Like these people so like cool. watching and now I'm really good friends with these people. It is a lovely byproduct of what we do, yeah. whether it's being an interviewer or host or a writer or an actor or a singer, mm-hmm. that we get to know these people on a personal level yeah. and they us, you know, there, forgive me, it sounds like I'm promoting myself here. There are major performers and people out there mm-hmm. who admire my talent yeah. and it's like, boing, how, yeah. how, you know, Steve Allen thinks I'm a great writer. Are you out of your mind? Steve Allen asked me to write songs with him. How does that happen? It, it is a lovely byproduct. I was having lunch uh, on my birthday, which was a couple of weeks ago, uh, with Wesley Yore from Land of the Lost okay. and Kathy Coleman from Land of the Lost and Greg Marks, who's a soap opera star and a lovely, lovely singer. And we were talking about, other than the money and the fame, what's the best part of being in our business? Our access to doing things, meeting people, being in places we wouldn't have had otherwise. Yeah. Can you speak to that in your life a little bit? Yeah, um, I'm really well known in my part of Pennsylvania, not as much Maryland, but definitely my part of Pennsylvania, where if I go into Boyers and Ashland, it's like a little food mart, like grocery store, supermarket type thing. And I would go in there. I would be, I go in there for three things. I'd probably be, five, 10 minutes at most. And I'm in there for two hours because people are wanting to get pictures with me because of my local movie connection, making Schuylkill County, you know, with movies and everything like that and being an author and like that alone. And then I have people messaging me on Facebook, like, Hey, uh, you're going to be at Monster Mania this weekend. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to be there um, Friday and Sunday. They're like, Oh, great. Cause there's a bunch of people that are excited to meet you. and want to get the picture with you. I'm like, wow. Like amazing. Like, this is amazing. Have you ever had the opportunity to be on a set? Yeah. My grandchildren don't believe me when I tell them I have held Chucky in my arms. Nice. They don't, first of all, they don't believe me. Right. But they don't understand how that can be. Now, Mm -hmm. one of them is five. One of them is 17. I understand the five-year-old not understanding, but my 17-year-old and my 40-year-old stepdaughter, they should understand what that means. Mm-hmm. That Papa has been in show business since before you were born and yeah. this kind of stuff happens. Um, again, how, how, how would I come to that? I, I must admit, I am not a huge horror fan. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad you said the word horror. Out here, they say horror. And I go, huh? What? Horror. I have a funny story about that because I was I work for the US Coast Guard. That's my full-time job. And uh I ended up I, I went back before the pandemic hit, I would be at the office. Did I freeze I again? Love all horror. Uh John Carpenter's the thing is the kind of film I like in that genre. Yeah. Besides the horror genre, what kind of entertainment appeals to you outside of your purview that you've written about outside of horror what is my favorite type of genre um you didn't like the way i said it i'm no i'm thinking (laughs) um i would have to say i like the suspense count i I guess that would be yeah absolutely yeah because a suspense see to me hitchcock is a suspense director not a horror yeah. director right i like suspense movies too yeah i like the the 
edgier. I like in the horror movie where you get scared and you jump because the adrenaline comes up. But I all but what what makes it different with the suspense is is that I'm watching it. I'm watching it. And now I'm at the edge of my seat watching it. And I'm like, oh my God, what's gonna happen? Like I'm like, like, you know, knowing there's not gonna be a jump scare because it's not a horror movie, but like what's gonna happen? Like, oh my god, what's gonna happen next? Right. No, well, like, like and and then the associated things like film noir yeah. or Perry Mason, murder mysteries, mm-hmm. or Charlie Chan, though although Charlie Chan is terribly racist, but the plots are good. Um are associated with that kind of suspenseful what's mm-hmm. going to happen next oh my goodness no they're not yes they are i i enjoy that yeah. i'm going to throw some genres at you of tv movies and music and just give me first reactions okay all right play a game it sounds good let's do it i love lucy um iconic okay uh, Mary Tyler Moore. Funny. The Nanny. The Laugh. <laughs> the TV series Mission Impossible. Never saw it. Star Trek. Beat me up, Scotty. <laughs> Star Trek The Next Generation. That one I don't think I've ever saw. Let, let's 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 land on Star Trek for just a second. Okay. Because Star Trek has the original series, TOS mm-hmm. as they call it, some horror in it, mm-hmm. some suspense in it, some comedy in it. Mm-hmm. What did you think of, of the series as a whole? I only seen each episode maybe once, like years ago, like 10, 15 years ago. Um, so I don't really remember much of it, but I, I could tell you, I hear so much of beam me up Scotty throughout my life growing up that I, if I had a penny, every time I heard it, I'd be a millionaire. It's been a while. Uh, Coolio. He sang a song that I didn't know he sang. I can't remember the name of it, but I, I know that song. I, I, I was listening to it last night when he passed away. I'm like, I didn't know he sang that. He is someone where I didn't particularly care for his music. That's mm-hmm. not what appeals to me. I mm-hmm. liked him as a person. Yeah. I'm, 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 he was very nice to me. I'm sorry he's gone. Yeah. What is your favorite television show of all time? Ooh, tough one. Uh, I like Seinfeld, The King of Queens. Yeah. Everyone loves Raymond, Friends. Well, so you're narrowing down everything to just a few years. They're all they're all on at the same time. Yeah. So your era is the what the early 90s? Early to mid to late 90s. 90s is my generation. Let's just say I have a Nintendo 64 in there that I bought in 96 that my dad bought for me in 96 with the game Banjo Kazooie that my dad bought for me from 97. I was just playing it the other day and it still works. <laughs> I'm a 90s baby. Born in 89, but a 90s baby. So you're a nerd with a big penis. Yes. Yes. Very good. Yep. I got clean and sober in 1989. Nice. Congratulations. So it's a good, it's a good year for both yes. of us. I was born literally the very last month of the very last uh, of the, the of the end of the 80s. 80, in 80, December then. December 89. Yep. Yeah, I got clean and sober April 1st of the same year. Nice. So and you it's were not just April t- Fool's joke. So that's amazing. No, no, I didn't realize it was April Fool's till much later. <laughs> oh, wow. When people asked me, so what is the actual date? Because mm-hmm. I didn't know that was an important thing right in the beginning. Mm-hmm. So I looked at the calendar and it was, I knew it was a Saturday. Uh, oh, April 1st. And then like April Fool's Day, how appropriate. Right? <laughs> Because of your disabilities, mm-hmm. were you able to sidestep the usual recreational drug use because of your disabilities, or did you try them anyway? I never did a drug in my life. Now I do drink alcohol, but I don't like. I have never done anything. The only thing I've smoked once was weed, and that was really recently, um, maybe like a couple years ago and I got so paranoid that I thought the cops were after me and I didn't do anything wrong. And I'm like, never again. 
Yeah. Yeah. How comfortable today or other times are you talking about yourself as opposed to talking about other people? Um, you know, I, I, we opened the show with a sex joke. Yeah. Uh, I was hoping you were going to laugh and not be offended because I wanted, I wanted a good joke to start us off with. Right. But if, 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 if you're asked, and I won't push you, but if you're asked questions about your personal life or things like that, do you look to avoid them or are you comfortable being honest with people? I'm not, per, uh, I'm one of those people that isn't offended that easily. Um, I'm very open-minded. Um, there might be some questions that I'll be like, I don't feel comfortable asking that, but most questions I normally give an answer for, especially if it's not on camera, if it's on camera and I don't want the world to know something about me, then I won't say it, but I'm pretty, I'm a pretty open book. Yeah. The only restriction on my end with people, uh, and I, I didn't get this too much. Mm -hmm. Uh, when I went public about me and Freddie Mercury, yeah, people asked anatomical questions yeah um that i was able to joke around but still give them the answer they were looking for right when my partner died and if you remember from our conversation i had a 47 year relationship with someone that was a complete and total secret until he died practically you'd be amazed how many people wanted to know what we did in bed together wow and I refused to, I, I wouldn't even answer our own children. Wow. It's like, why in the world do you need to know what your fathers did together? Why in the world is that an important mm -hmm. piece of information to anybody right. except the person you're interacting with yep. or you're flirting with someone or your terribly close confidants? Mm -hmm. um, that's the only no-no. When people ask what Joel and I did in bed together, it's like, yeah, you're never going to find out. Stop asking. Right, right. But otherwise, my, my, my personal life is an open book. I've been a celebrity so long now. Mm -hmm. I can't lie about my age yep. because my career goes back to the 1970s. <laughs> um, I've learned to be comfortable with almost any question asked me, except for, you know, mm -hmm. that kind of stuff. What, it, I'm not going to, but if I were now going to interview Scotty, the person, a partner aside from your career, yeah. where would you say, no, no, Jeff, I won't answer that. Probably personal questions about my partner, about my boyfriend, because I know he's very private and I respect him as a person and I wouldn't, put his personal business out there, which would include our sex life, probably. Yeah. You will notice I haven't even asked you his name. Right. Because I, I got immediately that that's private for, yeah. you're protecting, you're not protecting you, you're protecting him. Right. And I'll go as far as saying that he doesn't have social media because he's just that private of a person. He doesn't want people knowing his business. And he, he, he's, he, it takes him a while to let somebody else into his inner circle. It took and me he's three in, hours he's in, to become his boyfriend, but I didn't know any, I didn't fully know him for like a year and a half of being with him. And he's entitled to that. Yeah. And you're a very patient man. Yeah. And you waited that long to really get to yeah. know him. Because the sex really must've been great, but um, <laughs> that's a joke. That's a joke. That was not, that was not, Oh, look at the, Oh, look, he's blushing. The sex was great. Oh, good for both of you. <laughs> Yay. We had a good time. All right. <laughs> yeah, but, I think, yeah. I think that intimacy is a very important part of any yeah. relationship. Yeah. Uh, not so much headbanging sex, but intimacy. Yes. Obviously, you and he found joy being yeah. intimate. And that's yeah. what a big part of being someone's yeah. soulmate is. Right. You found a soulmate. Yeah, absolutely. I prefer, and I not really prefer, but I like a random, you know, night where we're, where we want to be intimate to the point that all we want to do is cuddle and maybe kiss. Because that to me is more romantic than anything else because you're because you you kiss somebody that you love. 
I mean, yeah, you can kiss people when you, you know, in hookups and all that, but kissing is a very romanticized, intimate thing between two partners that are in love with each other. And that's what I like. I, I like that. I, I, pre- I would prefer that over anything else because I love my partner and he loves me. And that's to me is romance. I, I agree with you a hundred percent. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to not make this about me, but I'm reacting to what you're saying to me. Mm-hmm. When people pushed about Joel and me, mm-hmm. I came up with an answer. It's a true answer. Okay. It's a summer night. The blinds are up. It's a full moon. Mm-hmm. I am in bed sleeping to his left, as I always did when we have a chance to be in bed sleeping with mm-hmm. each other. It's, we didn't live together. It's about two or three o'clock in the morning. I'm asleep, but I'm aware he's awake and I awaken, lift my head up off the pillow. And he's on his chin like this, looking at me. And I said, sweetheart, what's wrong? And he said, nothing's wrong. I just wanted to look at you. And he put his fingers through my hair and gently put my head back on the pillow. He said, nothing's wrong. Go back to sleep. I have never felt more safe in my entire life Mm -hmm. than when I was in that position with him. Mm -hmm. That's what you need to know about my sex life with Joel. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Because I don't understand lack of intimacy between people. I've been asked since he's passed, well, what do you miss? I miss my head in his lap Mm -hmm. where I can smell his pheromones. Mm -hmm. I I miss feeding each other food and and sucking on his fingers afterwards. Yeah. It's not sex. It's intimacy. Yeah. And if you have that with your partner. That's the best part about a relationship is the intimacy because you, you don't have to, I mean, having a good sex life is great, but having the intimate moments, the romantic moments, the moments that really mean something and make a memory that you can think back of, you know, th- those are what I, I cherish most about my relationship with them. How old were you when you realized you were gay? 15, maybe. I, um, my parents, and I, I'm okay talking about this, but my parents found out, um, and they're very big Christians. To this day, they don't really accept me uh they accept me they don't accept what i'm doing but uh they're getting a lot better than they were um but i think a lot of it came from how they found out because i didn't get a chance to sit them down and tell them i was in a relationship at the time and my parents were going to new york city on a bus trip and i needed to watch the dogs so i brought over uh my partner at the time and we were doing it in their bed i didn't know that their bus broke down and the trip was canceled and they came home and caught us in the bed that's how they found out and there's an if that was an I Love Lucy episode, we would hear, oh, hee hee. Um, <laughs> yeah, so that's yeah. how they found out. So I think a lot of it was disrespect from the fact of it was in their bed, in their house, and they didn't even know anything about me, and I didn't have the have any type of you know way to tell them about it. So as soon as you figured out that that's who you were, you immediately acted out on it and found your first boy? No, that right? this was a couple years after. Um, it, when I... I was in a relationship in high school, um, but we were very closeted. Um, but when I was 19, when I went off to college, that's when I really experimented. I mean, I really experimented my curiosities and my, and kind of evaluated my sexuality, you know, orgy parties and all those different that's things. What, that's what 19 is for. Yeah. Scotty, sometime, probably off microphone and off camera, I will tell you, what gay life was like in New York City in the 1970s yeah. and what I experienced because yeah. um, I pride myself on not being nasty or naughty in public. I can't even tell you how I think you'd react to it, yeah. but you'd need some paper towels afterwards. Wow. Um, it was so open. It was so, if one was a breathing male, Mm-hmm. Uh, and you didn't have six eyes or four heads. Wow. It was that easy. And that is how I learned how kind of sort of to be a gay male. When I was in high school, uh, you talk about being closeted. 
I mean, Joel and I, from the first day I met him when I was 13, we're together and no one knew. Mm -hmm. uh, no one knew for 47 years. I admire you that you were able to figure out because mm -hmm. I didn't figure it out. I didn't know what gay was. The term wasn't used all that much anyway. Yeah. Homosexual and slurs about that word. Yeah. But it wasn't even a thing that young people could reach out to others yeah. or talk about it. So I think it's wonderful that you could. Yeah. That times have changed. Yeah. A little bit. Thankfully, I when I was figuring it out, I was there was a lot of porn on the computer that, you know, I could kind of extinguish the difference between the two. And go, ooh, I'm bigger than he is. Um, <laughs> two times. <laughs> I'm dying to ask you. You said you're two two inches too big. How how big is too big? I've never heard too many gay men refer to anything as being too big. Two inches too big. Uh, Sixteen inches times two. Um. Then nothing has ever done. No one has ever had even 16 inches. That is not a reality for anybody. I know, I know. I don't know if that, that might be one question I'm not comfortable answering. I'm, I am joking with you because we're coming to the know. end of the hour. And yes. I wanted to end on the same joke I started with. There we go. There we go. Um, if you wanted our friends and fans who are watching and listening, mm -hmm a piece of advice from Scotty about life. Okay. Uh, if someone came to you and said, Scotty, I'm, I'm, I don't know enough about life. I don't know what I want to do yet. I don't know enough about me. Mm -hmm. What advice would, I, I know what Jeffrey Mark would say, what would Scotty tell a young person? Don't give up on your dreams because you will fail if you don't try. But if you do try, you may fail, but you can still pick yourself back up, but you will never know unless you succeed, if you try. I've been told countless times, I will not succeed. I'll be flipping burgers. I won't do anything. Well, I have two, two degrees. I'm a senior developer for the United States Coast Guard. I have three movies that were made under my company, Gravestone Films. I have six books published, including this one that you can get on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Target, Walmart, all over online retailers. Uh, the ultimate Halloween movie experience, Michael Myers, The Man, The Monster, The Madness. 16 original interviews from cast and crew from the film. Uh, this cover work is done by Ken Gottlieb, who was the on-set photographer for Halloween 1 and 2 in the 1978 and 1981. So this, this is black and white because these are actual stills from 1981. Um, and it also has thousands of trivia questions in this book as well. So I've had all that done and I've had all of that, that happened, you know, all this that happened to me, you know, and now they're asking me for my autograph. I would never be an author. I would be a New York Times bestseller. I wouldn't be a filmmaker or an actor. I wouldn't be a developer with two degrees for the United States Coast Guard if I listened to them and didn't try. And on a personal life note, if someone came to you, how do I figure out my personal life? Because you've done a pretty good job. What would your advice be? Find somebody you trust to talk to. If you don't have anybody to talk to, then seek out a third party that isn't invested in the situation. I'm not talking about a friend or a family member. If you can't talk to them, then I'm talking about a counselor, a guidance counselor at school, a psychologist, somebody that you can trust that can, you know, that would be able to just be there to listen to your concerns or the advice that you, that or give you advice that you might need, because not everybody is lucky to have a family that is going to accept them. Not everybody's going to have friends that are going to accept them. I mean, yeah, we're in 2022, but we still are you know, living in an area that is racist sometimes and, you know, and homophobic and, you know, so it's good to have people that are on your side. And if you don't know who to go to find somebody that is professional and is trained and licensed that is willing to be able to give you, if you don't want advice, at least a listening ear to talk to. One last question and a commercial sure. for me. So I'm hosting Jeffrey Mark Playzella every week on the radio. We know about that. Please tune in. I've got three books coming out next year and an album. Hooray for Jeffrey Mark. Apart and aside from this new book you just gave this excellent commercial for, mm -hmm. what's next for Scotty? 
So we have a movie that is in post-production, is still in production at the ending stages of production, but we're also in post. It's called 72, and it's by Gravestone Films. Um, we're looking at the movie premiere uh, to be, I would say, end of, like, sometime in the summer of 2023. Um, but we're in post-production, so check that out. Um, it's, it's on IMDb. You can check out Facebook fan page 72 Film, or you can check out Gravestone Films on Facebook. Um, and for all the details, um, we filmed like 99% or so of the movie, I would say, give or take. Um, so definitely uh, check that out. I'm in it. I'm executive producer of it. It's directed by Carl Miller. Um, he's also co-owner of Greystone Films with me. So definitely check that out. Um, it's it's going to be a very interesting movie. It's about basically inspired by COVID. So uh, definitely give that a, give that a look out. Um, I think that's going to be a, a great movie for us. But that is currently on my uh, on my agenda. Um, I do have a book tour coming out this uh, fall, so I'm going to be uh, you know at Monster Mania. I'm doing a book signing there, um, and uh, I'll be meeting some amazing guests, including Halloween cast members. So I'm super excited. Come out to the West Coast and do some stuff out here. I have to. I have to. I'm you afraid of flying though, but I have to. Get on a train. Come on out here, and I'll hook you up with some bookstores to get you in some book signings. Perfect. And you and I need to have dinner together. Absolutely. So, Scotty, thank you so much for the opportunity to interview. You. Absolutely. Next thank time you. on Slasher, Scotty, he'll be back in the driver's seat again. Mm-hmm. And I'll be someplace else because I'll have some other amazing guest. Thank so you. as I always end my broadcasts, this is Jeffrey Mark on behalf of Slasher, Scotty. God bless and have a happy. Thank you. <laughs>